praise God in loss? My husband lay at the bottom of the pool, and I thought I'd entered a nightmare. By Janet Page Janet Page recently retired from serving as Associate Ministerial Secretary for Pastoral Spouses, Families, and Prayer. Her husband, Jerry, also retired from his recent post as Ministerial Secretary of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. They are enjoying spending time with their six adorable grandchildren and their two sons and their wives. My husband Mike and I were serving in our first district, pastoring a couple of churches. He had been busy all week doing Bible studies and visiting, so he decided to stay home one morning to work on his sermon. Before he did that, he said, I'm going to go running. I haven't been exercising. I need to start running again. It was July 3, a sweltering, muggy day in the southeast United States. He came back from his run, sweating. I'm so hot, he said. I think I'm going to go for a swim in the pool. We lived in an apartment complex with a swimming pool. Tyson, our little toddler, said, Me go too, Daddy, me go too. So Mike and Tyson went off to the pool. I stayed behind because I was trying to do some cooking, but it wasn't too long before Tyson was banging on the door, crying. Tyson, what's the matter? I asked. Daddy gone down. Gone down. Won't up. Won't up. I grabbed Tyson and marched out to the pool, ready to scold Mike for leaving alone this three-year-old who can't swim, but I got there to find a crowd of people standing around the deep end. As I parted them and said, What's wrong? I saw my husband lying at the bottom of the pool. I immediately jumped in to pull him out. As I tried to drag him to the edge of the pool, I thought, This is a nightmare. I know this isn't real. This isn't happening to me. It's not a part of my life plan. We just got through school together. We're in the ministry and are going to serve God with our lives, and we have a little boy to raise. But in the emergency room, the doctor came out and told me, There's nothing we can do. He's gone. They guessed that Mike, possibly trying to hold his breath for a long time, had passed out underwater and had a lung rupture. In that moment, I was so thankful for God's word. A verse came into my mind. All things work together for good. Good? Really? Mike and I had attended a seminar six months before, and at the end, they talked about praising God in all things. I thought, oh, I've heard that before. These guys are crazy. But the thought wouldn't leave me alone. When I went home from the seminar, I started looking up the passages in scripture they had given us and realized it was something I needed to do. So Mike and I started trying it, sometimes teasing each other. Like the time he got a flat tire on the way to church and was out in the heat in a suit, changing it. I leaned out the window and asked, Are you praising God for the flat tire? Or the time I worked hard to make a special dish and tripped and dropped it. He asked, Are you praising God? We joked with each other, but at the same time, we were seriously trying to see if it made a difference. Now, as the doctor told me Mike was gone, one of the key verses came into my mind. All things work together for good. I chose to start praising God. Not that Mike had died, but in the fact he had died. I decided, my God is in control of my life, so I choose to surrender it to him. That night, the first person to show up was my brother. 
It was after midnight, and we went into my bedroom. I asked him, Would you just stay here and talk to me till I go to sleep? Because when I close my eyes, I just see the horrible scene of my husband dead. My brother, still in his travel clothes, promptly fell asleep and started snoring. He was a pastor also and had been working hard. I didn't want to disturb him, so I went into my little boy's room. I crawled into the double bed next to him and shut my eyes, but the horrible scene came back. I looked up toward heaven and prayed, God, I choose to praise you. For whatever reason you allowed this, so I choose to surrender the whole thing to you. But I think I need sleep. You've got to help me sleep. I've got to make decisions tomorrow. I've got to face church members. Before I could get that prayer out, I felt like I was being held. Peace came over me and I slept the whole night. As I woke up the next morning, I thought, this has been a terrible nightmare. I reached out for my husband, but instead it was just my little boy there and I knew it was real. When I had called my parents the day before and told them what happened, they said, don't do anything. Don't make any decisions till we get there. They lived three states away. I don't know what they thought I was going to do. We owned a canoe and a rusty VW. That was it. We had no money. I guess they were afraid I would be talked into having a fancy funeral that I couldn't afford. So I tried to be the obedient daughter and wait for them to come. Yet I couldn't sit still. I paced back and forth in the apartment just thanking God for the six years I'd known Mike, five years married. For the fun times we'd had together skiing and camping and backpacking. For the people we'd seen wand to the Lord during Bible studies. For the little boy I'd had by him. Whatever I could, I was thanking God for. As I paced back and forth, my brother, sitting on the couch, said, You know, Janet, Mike died a young man, and you're probably going to die an old woman. How is he going to recognize you in heaven? I got out my Bible, quickly turned to the New Testament, and said, I'll be changed in the twinkling of an eye. He responded, Okay, you're changed. He's changed. How are you going to recognize each other because you're sure going to look a whole lot better than you do now? I thought about that. Mike had this crazy way of walking, so I said, God will never take that away from him. That was his personality. I'll find him in heaven by that walk. Miracles Lying on the table by the couch was a devotional book of Ellen White's writings called This Day with God. I felt the urge, pick it up and read it. It was July 4. But then I thought, I don't want to read. I can't concentrate. I never thought to ask, God, are you telling me to pick this up? At that time in my life, I didn't know that God would speak to me, so it never even crossed my brain that it was God. We had a memorial service. I'm not saying in all this that it's not okay to weep and cry over our loved ones. We know Jesus weeps with us. But as Seventh-day Adventists, we have a blessed hope. We have something even in our funerals to rejoice about. So we made Mike's memorial service a time of rejoicing. We sang songs about the second coming and about our Jesus, who died on the cross for us. Neighbors who attended said, Tell us what you believe. We want to know a God who can give us such peace and hope. 
My parents and my brother stayed by as long as they could afterward to help me pack up the apartment. I didn't have an income, so I needed to move. When they left to get back to work, I had just one place to pack up before the mover came. A garage where we had stuff in storage. After morning worship the day before the mover would arrive, I decided to read This Day with God. It was now July 14, and I started reading the devotional for that date. It was so good that I kept reading page after page, but then I glanced at the clock. Oh, it's getting late, I thought. The mover is going to be upset with me if I'm not ready. I took the book and turned it upside down on July 18 and 19 and left it on the end table by my bed because I wanted to come back and read it that night. Then I grabbed Tyson and off to the garage we went. As I packed up tools and other items there, I felt overwhelmed with how much I missed Mike. I cried out, God, why? Why did you let him die? We were going to serve you together in the ministry. How am I going to raise my little boy without his daddy? All day long I packed and sobbed. When we got back to the apartment, Tyson was asleep. I put him in his bed and flopped across my bed crying. Then this urge came over me. Pick up that book and read it. I said to myself, I don't want to read it. I'm miserable. I want to cry. But the urge wouldn't leave me alone, and I decided, well, it's kind of getting boring crying. I've been crying all day, and I'm pretty well cried out. I might as well pick up the book and read it because it was good this morning. I'm the kind of person who, if I leave my things a certain way, I don't want anyone to touch them. I will notice. When I picked up the book, it was no longer where I left it open on July 18 and 19. Who's touched my book? Who's been in here? Nobody had a key but me, and I knew my little guy hadn't touched it. I glanced down, and the book was open to July 4 and 5. The title on July 4 was... Jesus cares. The verse was, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I started reading the page, and in that first paragraph it said, God, your heavenly Father, will be your husband at hand, to counsel, to direct, and comfort as you need. Then it quoted Lamentations 3.33, For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men. I looked down at the bottom of the page because I wanted to know why Ellen White wrote this devotional. It said, Letter 42, written July 4, 1875, to a sister who had recently lost her husband. How does God do that, I wondered. Does he just zap it? Does he send an angel to turn that page? I don't know how he did it, but I know he did and I can't wait till heaven to find out. In that last paragraph it said, Cling to his hand, hold fast. He will take you, your children, and all your griefs and burdens, if you will only cast them all upon him. One of the things I love about God's word is that as much as you read it, when you're in a crisis or you've got a problem, new things will stand out to you. God started showing me all these scriptures promising he would be my husband, that he's a husband to the widows and a father to the fatherless. I'd never noticed those in scripture before. 
Life insurance. The night before my parents left, we were sitting on the couch. We'd been packing boxes all day, and Dad said to me, I don't know how you're going to make it, but at least you've got that life insurance policy to tide you over for a while. Even as a little kid, I'd heard all these horror stories about what happened to people if they didn't have life insurance. So when we had the baby, I said to Mike, We've got to get life insurance. My husband said, I don't need that. But I kept nagging him, and we got the insurance. Then when we had our son, I felt called to stay home with the baby. At that time, we were interning and not making it financially. I knew I could get a job as a nurse, but I wanted to stay home with my little one. So I sat down one day and looked at the numbers. When Mike came home that night from his Bible studies, I showed him. I figured this all out. And if we cut out this, cut out that, do this, do that, cut out that life insurance policy, and eat really carefully, I think we can make it financially so I can stay home with our kid. Mike said, Do it. I never wanted the life insurance anyway. I'm going to be translated. Jesus is coming. Wait till I see that man in heaven. Do I have something to tell him? Well, my father didn't know all this. When I told him, Dad, I don't have the policy anymore. He came off the couch. What? I canceled it because we weren't making it. Why didn't you tell your mom and me, he said. We both work. We could have carried the policy for a while. I ran into the bedroom crying, knelt by my bed and said, God, I tried to do what I thought was right, to stay home with my baby, not go in debt, try to meet our financial needs. Look at the mess I'm in. Lord, I really think this is your problem. And do you know what started happening? From all over the United States and Canada, people started sending me money. Some of them were people I had been in college with, and they sent me large amounts of money. I knew they couldn't afford it, so I sent it back. They turned around and sent it back again and said, Look, God told us to send this to you. We don't want it. You keep it. I journaled all of this. I wrote down everything that came in because I was so grateful for it, but I never added it up. A year later, I was having my devotions one morning and suddenly got this urge. Add up what's come into you. I thought, that's really rude, thinking about money when I'm trying to spend time with God. I tried to avoid the urge, but it kept coming. Finally, I got out the notebook and started adding up all that had come in. It totaled to the very penny what that life insurance had been worth. To the exact penny. I don't know what you're worried about in your life, what you're worried about in the future, but your God is big enough to take care of you. Nine months before Mike died, my parents had moved into a new house. When they had the house built, they had a choice between a two-bedroom, three-bedroom, or four-bedroom. The kids were gone and it was only the two of them, so they decided to build a two-bedroom because they thought it was poor stewardship to have a bigger home. But they had this urge. Build a four-bedroom. They finally gave in to it, but they were embarrassed and didn't tell anybody. They kept asking God, Why do we have a four-bedroom house? When my husband died, they knew why they had a four-bedroom house. Even before I knew I had a problem, God was already working on the solution. 
That's our God. It's just amazing what he does in our lives. About a year after Tyson and I moved in with my parents, my grandmother fell and broke her hip and wrist. My mom volunteered for me to take care of her so she wouldn't have to go into a nursing home. So I went south and stayed with Grandma and took care of her for several months. When she was getting well, an aunt was going to come and take my place. The day before I was to leave, Grandma wanted to get into the sunshine and fresh air, so I took her outside and wrapped her in blankets because it was cool. She was the kind of person who never complained about anything. It drove me crazy. She wouldn't even give an opinion about what she wanted to eat. Just, whatever you want to fix, Janet. She was a good woman. As I got her settled in the sunshine, she said, Janet, I need to talk to you. Sit down next to me. I thought, finally, Grandma is going to talk to me straight. Tell me I'm raising my kid wrong. Anything. Just talk to me. So I sat down and said, Yeah, Grandma? Janet, she began, I want you to know that I'm praying for God to bring you a nice young Christian minister. Oh, Grandma, I had one, I responded. Tell him to bring me a nice young Christian rich man. Grandma wouldn't laugh. She looked at me and pointed her finger at me. Janet, you're going to get a minister, and that's what you're going to marry. Not too long after that, God brought Jerry into my life. Jerry, a minister. He's nothing like my first husband, but he's absolutely what I needed and what a blessing he is. When he asked me to marry him, I said, Jerry, I'm not sure you can be the husband that God has been to me. But he's really done a pretty good job. Friends, don't miss out on the blessing God wants to give by thanking him only for the things you think are blessings. Thank him for everything that happens. Stop telling God how big your storm is and start telling your storm how big your God is. Proclaim God's word over that problem. Talk about how big your God is, how faithful he is, how he'll move his right arm in your path. In the Ministry of Healing, Ellen White writes, quote, The Father's presence encircled Christ, and nothing befell him, but that which infinite love permitted for the blessings of the world. Here was his source of comfort, and it is for us. He who is imbued with the Spirit of Christ abides in Christ. Whatever comes to him comes from the Savior, who surrounds him with his presence. Nothing can touch him except by the Lord's permission. All our sufferings and sorrows, all our temptations and trials— all our sadness and griefs, all our persecutions and privations, in short, all things work together for our good. All experiences and circumstances are God's workmen whereby good is brought to us. End quote. For more articles and resources for ministerial spouses, please visit ministerial.adventist.org/spouses.